funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. Hey, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is a good one. It's Brandon from Bleeding Through, and I couldn't be more excited to bring you this chat. First of all, though, I want to extend a little bit of uh, gratitude over to the Hope's Fall Camp and Daniel and everyone over at Discography Discussion for sharing last week's episode, uh, the Adam Morgan of Hope's Fall episode. Uh, I was really overwhelmed by the support uh, of that episode from everyone involved and just all the sharing and all the positive comments and feedback I got from everybody uh, goes greatly appreciated on my end. And, and, you know, everyone sharing it and all that kind of stuff. It's just super awesome to uh, see an episode connect with uh, the fan base that I'm, I'm kind of nervous <laughs> to put some of these in front of. Um, you know, when somebody actually tweeted at me and said, you know, congrats to me. Uh, personally, and I corrected them and said, you know, Dan did a lot of the heavy lifting, and I, I truly believe that. Um, Dan did a lot of the, the, the heavy lifting on that episode, uh, you know, with talking about things from an actual standpoint of a fan, going through, you know, album by album and so forth and what it meant. Um, so huge thanks to Dan, uh, Daniel Terry over there at Discography Discussion. They are still in the midst of New Metal May, uh, so... If you like uh, new metal at all, go over there, listen to them. They just dropped a, an episode uh, last week uh, about Il Nino. And I got to say, it's got me wanting to go back through and check out some of the, the back discography that apparently even I missed out on. Um, but it's a great podcast. Uh, I always love hearing what they do over there. Uh, Roach Coach as well. Great uh, podcast. And the Talk To Me podcast as well. As always, uh, those collection of people, they're, they're all kind of a collection of friends. Uh, you probably will have seen one or the other on everyone else's thing. Um, so it's just kind of a, a great to have a, a good support system of podcasts. Uh, all of those podcasts are actually getting ready to go out to the Rock and Pod Expo. Uh, they all have a Kickstarter up to help fund the podcast expo. Uh, Head from Corn's uh, going to be there. Vinny Vincent from Kiss. Uh, Toby Wright's going to be there again. Uh, so if you can, go over to those uh, podcast pages, find them on Facebook, and uh, donate if you can to kind of help the cause as a whole. Um, also going to throw a little bit of a extra plug to the metalnexus.net crew, Fist, and everybody. Um, to coincide actually with this chat, the whole reason I was able to get it was because, uh, as you heard me say last week, Fist ended up uh, giving me the new Bleeding Through record, Love Will Kill All, to do an album review. So basically I'm getting this done way early in the week so I can just focus on posting out uh, this album review. Uh, so look forward to that over on metalnexus.net, uh, probably within a couple of days of me posting this episode. Um, but thanks again to Fist for giving me the opportunity and for helping set up this uh, conversation with Brandon. A lot of cool shit in it. I'm going to get right to it. Keep these uh, intros and outros short as I promised I would start doing. And let's get to my chat with Brandon from Bleeding Through.
So I have the pleasure of speaking with Brandon from Bleeding Through this afternoon. Uh, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, running some errands. Just went to uh, Huntington Beach City Hall to make Bleeding Through official again. Uh, I had to get the LLC back, huh? Yeah, back on the horse. <laughs> that's that's always a fun thing. Um, so I kind of, you know, speaking of bleeding through, uh, and the whole reason you're on is to talk about the the new album coming out, uh, Love Will Kill All, okay. coming out on May mm-hmm. 25th via Sharp Tune Records. Um, something I kind of wanted to know, in the four years or so since the band's kind of been on hiatus, what what did you think of the metal scene that we currently are in, and was there anything really that you were listening to that kind of made you go like, shit, I really want to get back into this? Um, there was a couple, th- well, I mean, as a whole, I, I try to listen to as much as I possibly can, like new bands and stuff like that. There's a lot of cool, like, newer newer bands coming out there, but in what I've really kind of paid attention to is a lot of the older bands, of the absolute shit they were fucking releasing, and <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things where I was, like, super disappointed as a fan, and, and I think that's one of the things that kind of motivated me to, like, want to start writing some music again, and... Excuse me. Um, <laughs> so um, that's that's one of the things that kind of motivated me to like want to do this again. But really, it, one of the things I noticed around, at least like locally around here, is that there isn't any kind of local sort of like metalcore, hardcore bands that have sort of take, like carried the torch on from like when Bleeding Through ended. It's kind of a weird thing because there's a lot of good bands here, but it just seems like it just seems like there isn't a band that will kind of do what do what needs to be done to like carry that torch. Like people don't want that responsibility, and in turn, you know, instead of being focused on like establishing yourself at home, they're more worried about establishing themselves, you know, everywhere else. And that's it's kind of important to establish yourself where you are, and that's that kind of helps you like gain that like self-esteem to go out there and do it. But really, I mean. I think in the last kind of four or five years, what you're really getting, and I'm about to make this like really wordy, so I apologize, but um, I think in the last four or five years, what you're really getting is the bring of the horizon effect. And you see a band that kind of started off as a very crappy metalcore band and kind of found themselves later on and what they did, which kind of of led me to believe that maybe the metalcore thing, death metal kind of crossover thing they were doing wasn't really them to begin with. Um, But lately i mean the last two records to me are some of the best records that have come out from the genre ish in a long time but you see that and you see like with that popularity you automatically see bands that try to copy that sound and that kind of like kind of approach and with that you have bands like architect and while she sleeps which i also really like they kind of carry that torch of that kind of vibe and um and what i've what i've kind of noticed is that that's sort of the music that's coming up right now. Like the, the kind of gent, gent core-ish techie type of deal um, with like that like scream sing sound and everything kind of with the catchy hook. There's that. And then I've also noticed in the last four years that bands that don't kind of sound like the Premier Horizon, every other band sounds like a Muir with a dead, with a data remember chorus. Right. And every record sounds exactly the same. Sonically, drum sounds sound the same, guitars sound the same, structure is the same. Every song is three minutes and 15 seconds. It is just a carbon copy of the same noise coming out of a record. And I'm not saying noise in like a, a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that it's not, there's no 
rawness to a record anymore. It's, it's bands have discovered how to polish a turd and they do it very well. And then when you go see these bands live, you're like, fuck, these dudes don't even know how to play their instruments. This right. is fucking crazy. Oh, it's like one of those things where every record is horribly auto-tuned with the vocals and it takes all the realness out of a record. And I just think that that's like the new norm is to try to be as perfect as you can, which kind of leads me to that, like, bring the horizon effect because their records are just perfect. Right. And But everybody tries to just copy because bands know what sound sells and, and sorry, labels know what sound sells and bands know how to get or get that sound. And then they get bummed. Yeah, but that's, yeah. But that's, that's kind of what I've observed over the last couple of years is that there is some cool bands, you know, out there, but I just feel like everything sounds exactly the same when it comes to recording. And that's kind of weird to me. It's, it's kind of funny. You talk about how everything's starting to sound homogenized a little bit. Yeah. And it reminds me, I'm going to be 34 in a couple of months. So it kind of reminds me when I got this record and I got to hear the new record and, you know, between bands like, you know, and 18 visions that just came back out in the last year and a tray, you mm -hmm. uh, arguably getting ready to come back out in the last couple of years and getting ready to put out new material, you know, all these bands that I grew up with in the early two thousands that kind of put their own stamp on this changing, evolving metal, metal core thing, you know, it's kind of funny that it seems like all of you guys have to come back to kind of be like, you know, you can be heavy and still do some different shit. And if you can't remember how that needs to go, like, here, we're going to come back and show you. So it's kind of been yeah. funny for me to be like, you know, to see this happening again and being like, you know, the bands that are doing it the best are the bands that were doing it the best like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm not trying to be like that like salty old guy because sometimes I kind of, I kind of like come across that way. But what I've noticed is just, you're you're very right and that's another reason why we wanted to come back is because fuck man like it's just yeah th there's a reason why I trade you job there's a reason why Walls of Jericho is playing shows again there's a reason why Misery Signals has come back there's a reason why Dead to Fall has come back it's because we're not satisfied with what is coming out now and right. the only way that we're going to be satisfied is if we do it our fucking selves again and maybe we didn't leave Maybe we didn't leave in such a good spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's multiple reasons. I think that because of what I said, like I think that there's a lot more label involvement, management involvement, where bands don't have to create their own identity now. Someone else does it for them. Mm -hmm. And when we had to come up, we had to create our own identity. I mean, fuck, when I was in 18 Visions, like the first time we went to the East Coast, people just were calling us faggot the whole time. <laughs> on stage and next time we came back everybody looked exactly like us right and it was because that was our thing and the same thing happened with bleeding through we got scrutinized at first oh, it was fucking wearing makeup and shit next we come back and like the whole crowd looks exactly like us right and it's like fuck this is there people were on to something back then because people had to be original thinkers to sort of stick out now there's a team behind it trying to create trying to take what other people have done and just expand on top of it and I just think that's the wrong way to do it. It's just, and and I feel like that's why you've, now you have a, a, a genre full of copycats. And that's really how it is. Like, oh, our first record didn't sell. So this record, we sound kind of like this. And we had Will Putney mix the record because he fucking mixes everybody's records. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. And it's like, it's cool and all, but 
everything. And I, I kind of started noticing that in like 2010 when we were taking bands on tour with us. And live, I'd be like, these bands are fucking great because they all have their own sound and shit. And then I would, I remember when I got around listening to like all of their new records, I'm like, all of these records sound exactly the same. And none of them sound live how they sound on this record. And that's, that's to me, I always thought a band should be able to play the same way they are on record, if not play it better. And I always thought that Bleeding Through, I mean, I could be wrong, but I always thought that Bleeding Through did a really good job at playing our songs live. And actually, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that we did live came out better in general. Like, I think the added sort of rawness to it. But now on the flip side, you have these same bands that have these processed, overproduced sounding records that go out on stage and can't pull it and then start bitching about people never going to shows anymore. And then they start bitching about bands like, I don't get it. Like, why is Code Orange big? Code Orange is big because the record sounds like shit and it's raw, but it's fucking awesome. And live, they go fucking nuts. That's why they're big. Because people want a fucking show. They don't want you playing. They just, people still want to see good live music and be entertained. Maybe the younger crowd is cool with just standing there and, you know, because with a, with a, you know, whatever, they've come accustomed to hearing records with auto-tuned vocals and perfection and this and that. And, but I guess I'm old school. And like I said, I'm going to come across a little bit bitter, but I do kind of feel like these older bands had to come back to be like, guys, this is how it's supposed to be fucking done. And let's fucking preserve what all of us have worked, you collectively, but all of us have worked to build. Because in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, that was the oasis of heavy music. Because of OzFest, because of bands like Bleeding Through and Atreyu and Nazali Dying and stuff like that. And Every Time I Die and bands that were individuals, but also there was something to sell because we were individuals. And now it's just oversaturation with no originality. <laughs> I th- There's my long-winded act. No, no, totally. And the thing, kind of piggyback off of that before we go into talking about the record, I mean, you look at a band like, like, to me, this new record of yours, which I've had now for about a week and a half, and you've been speaking to, like, every time I die, I I mean, shit, we're this far into your guys' career, and I think you both collectively have put out your best records being the most newest records for you, and I think that speaks a lot to how long it sometimes takes to really perfect and hone what you do, and not being afraid to kind of go for some bigger moments, like, you know, that new Eat Seed record, there's some shit on there that you know, I don't think the band was capable of doing, because I don't think they felt comfortable putting themselves out there like that, and there's some stuff... And that's all... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, that's good. Um, sorry, I cut you off. Um, yeah, the new, and that's a reflection of a lot of things. That's a reflection of the people that you have working for your band and around you that shares the same adventurous, like kind of attitude of like, let's, let's do something like this. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's expand on our sound and let's, let's try to go for something a a little bit off the wall. And this combination of, of having people that share that same thing, because people that work for your band aren't supposed to push you to like those levels. And sometimes, more often than not, the people that work for the bands are the most insecure people about your band because they want to brag about you and they want to say, oh, this is my roster and blah, 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 blah. Now, they also, on the flip side, you know, are very cautious with everything because it's, they feel like it's a scar on them if a band underperforms or doesn't sell at a show or whatever. And so 
I feel like people working for a band lose that sort of uh, confidence. But also on the flip side, I could I know I could speak for every time I die when it comes to this, and especially ourselves. The older you get, because they're they're the same age as us, that level of giving a fuck just kind of goes away. Right. It just it just does, and it's like one of those things where you could you really learn the older you get. You can only control what you can control, and at the end of the day, you got to live with what your music is, and you got to live with the way that like your choices are and stuff like that, and at the end of the day, you don't want to be like, well, we never did this because our label and or whatever or management advised against because they thought it was a bad idea for the career of our band. You know, and that's what fans worry about. Like, I remember talking to our friends in Motionless and White, and I remember talking to them about playing some shows at Bleeding Through on the last tour, on the last time we played. And now these guys are like the biggest Bleeding Through fans of all time. Yeah. They couldn't play those shows because their management wouldn't allow them to. Because their management wanted them to be perceived as a bigger band than Bleeding Through. So they wouldn't allow them to play underneath them. Like, how fucking stupid is that? I mean, like, I think everyone has kind of said that the music industry gets in the way of the music a lot of times. Yeah, and I think that right now where we sit as an industry, I think that we're at that we're at that point. And I think that that's a big reason why these bands are getting back together because it's like <laughs> we feel like we have to like spearhead a certain like genre again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yeah. It's like uh, I don't know. But thank you for the compliments about our record. I'm I'm really stoked about it. Um I think for us, like we just kind of knew what we wanted to do, and we just went for it. So, kind of, you know, in speaking about speaking to the record, um, you know, you've worked with a wide array of producers uh, over the band's career. Mm -hmm. What led you to go back to working with Mick Kenny on this one? Well, Mick and I are like Mick's one of my best friends on the whole planet, outside of like music and and um, the com being comfortable with somebody in the studio is just really really big and we were comfortable with Devin Townsend that was someone we were really comfortable with mm -hmm. but I, I can honestly say like Zeus we weren't the most comfortable with even though I liked recording with Zeus and Rob Caggiano I don't think any of us were comfortable with that recording process not necessarily Rob um, Devin retired after he did declaration from producing and because we were going to go back to him for the next record and if that would have happened we probably would have done everything with him Okay, um, but then I met Mick through, uh, we did a uh, project called Suffer Well Together. And I've done, mo I've done a lot of other little projects that, you know, Ghost written a lot of songs for a lot of bands with him. And we just get each other, man. Like, it's funny. Like, I try to describe it. And even, like, when we kind of, you know, there'll be, like, a little bit of a mini documentary about, like, the record and stuff. And I remember, like, the person filming was like, dude, you guys just, like, get it. Like, you don't even talk to each other. And you could... Finish sort each of other's sandwiches. Something and exactly, exactly, exactly that, and and that was something that's important. And for us, and for him, I love his recordings because, yeah, there's a certain amount of polish on it, but it comes across like raw as fuck. Yeah, and he keeps imperfections in, which I love. Like they'll be like, "Eh, your voice kind of falls off a little bit right here, but it's fucking you, and that's important." So. Let's go with it. And I'm like, perfect, let's do it. Because I don't want to sound like anybody else. I just want to sound like myself. And, you know, 
and it's one of those things where I feel like he knows what we want to do and he knows like what kind of vibe we are Mm -hmm. and he just wants us to do our thing. He just makes you comfortable with, yeah, that's awesome. Like you record something and he's like, that's awesome. He's not like, actually (laughs) you should do it this way. And which is like, dude, that's just counterproductive. And that's why I think with this new record, I think that you're seeing like a side of bleeding through that is like the most true side of bleeding through. I really do. I think it's just like, if you could listen to one record, it, it encapsulates all the 15 years of records that we put out before. Definitely. Something I kind of wanted to know, because, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this. Um, to me, I wasn't the biggest fan production-wise of the last couple of records, so I was kind of really yeah. surprised to see how, compared to the last record you did with Mick to this one, there's just leaps and bounds and, and just sounds so yeah. huge and crushing. But the thing to me that really stood out, and I had to like really go back and listen to the like the entire discography to see it before I made this statement if it was accurate. But I feel like you know the chorus to Fade Dash is just fucking huge, and yeah. there's so much emphasis on big melodies in this. You know whether it be you know a chorus like you know in Fade to Ash or just the melodies that are happening in general. I feel like there's such an emphasis on melody that is just so prominent on this record that I've not heard on any of the other records. Was this something that was kind of thought out or just just happened? Um, we thought about it. And, you know, the process of this record, too, like, we, you know, Nick and I listened to, like, every fucking record or every, like, song that we ever did, which was fucking painstaking because I, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like this... <laughs> I don't really like the sound of my own voice, so listening to it about a hundred songs is really tough. Right. And, you know, it's funny, and it's like, fuck. Like, it's crazy. And those are the songs, which is funny to me. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Well, I'm sorry, I got you on speaker now. Um, Some of the songs that I didn't even remember were the songs that stuck out the most, where I'm just like, damn, like, this is a good fucking song. And what the reason why I did a lot of that stuff, I kind of wanted to transport like my mindset where I was like when I did those other songs. And I told Mick, I said, you know, the one thing that I want to focus on on this record is driving my melody to not be so um, kind of like cookie cutter. Because mm-hmm. I find with a lot of records, a lot of records, bands kind of follow the same kind of tempos and stuff. And I really wanted to play with like kind of darker melodies and deeper melodies but still try to stretch out as much as I could and so that was really a focus like we said like we need to we need to kind of get a little bit more of like a, a melody but kind of like an original melody out of like a lot of these songs yeah I like I said that uh when I per- per- first put the album on and Jesus Christ that <laughs> the uh fade into ash I was like wow this chorus like that's that's instantly like hummable like I can see at a show like if you like were to start off with a show with that or something like that like even if the people don't know it by the second time it comes around like people will probably at least be able to be like mimic at least the sound of the chorus vocally so yeah. I, I mean that's I mean and kind of going into that I'm surprised honestly that wasn't the first single so how hard was it to kind yeah. of pick a first song to introduce this album to the fans? Because, I mean, you guys went with uh, Set Me Free. Yeah. Well, Sharp Tone's been, like, amazing to us. They've been, like, one of these labels that has been very hands-off, but when they add their little kind of input, we listen because they think about it. And I know it's coming from a place where they're actually, like, fans of the band, which is, which is really cool. Um, and... 
Fade to the Ash will be the second song that okay. we released because we did a video, we did that song, we did a video for that song as well. Okay. Um, but we kind of all talked about it, and even though Set Me Free isn't my like one of my, it's not one of my favorite songs on the record, but I think it's a very good song. I kind of felt like with them, kind of like how every record, everybody just expected Bleeding Through to turn into this like rock and roll band. Because that's kind of how the that's kind of the Orange County way, right? Like, sort of. Happened yes. 80, 80, 80, 80, it's happened to Eight Divisions. It happened to Avenged Sevenfold. It happened to Atreyu. So it could even happen to Throwdown. Like their last couple records were like rock band rock songs with breakdowns, and everybody expected Bleeding Through to always follow that trend, and we never did. It was like after the truth, people were like, "Oh, Declaration is just going to be their rock record," and it's like, <laughs> "Nope, this is a straight up this is a straight up black metal record," and. And with this record, like with the song, I mean, we knew that we were going to have people who were going to be apprehensive and we wanted to ease people's minds. We wanted to put out a song where people were like, yep, this is bleeding through. Okay. This isn't like, oh, we're back to fucking, we're back because we want to write a rock record and get fucking paid and put on the radio. That's like, that's not it at all. So um, for us, we felt that free was a fucking a kick in the balls that people would be stoked on. It Kind of speaking to that, you know, I it's deceptively crushing of a record. Like there's not really a whole lot of like those come up for air kind of moments at all. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting because it, a lot of times when you listen to a record that's like that, it gets really repetitive in kind of a bad way. Yeah. And I kept finding that I never had that happen and i've like i said i've kind of had this on just constant repeat for the last week and a half to where that doesn't happen so i mean i don't know if that's because of the sequencing that like you know you guys took a lot of time to pay attention to the track listing and where things were or if it's just kind of because the songs are that good and and it seems like a very obvious question but was there a lot of importance put into the sequencing on this record it was it was a combination of both i think that um with the sequencing, I mean, I could honestly tell you that the sequencing kind of just worked out how it worked out, and it kind of maybe took us about 15 minutes to figure that out. Um, again, the label had input in that as well, which we kind of took in, into consideration. I don't know if we used any of their input for that, but they, they had input, which was awesome. Um, for me, the easiest thing to do on a record is sequence the first five songs. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing to do is choosing what song to go last. Can I cut you off and, for just a second right there to ask you a question? Sure, go ahead. So I kind of really like, because I just had, like I said, this on a loop from start to end, back into the beginning. Was the the book ending kind of lyrically of Darkness of Feeling I Know into Life, that I, that was done on purpose, right? Because it just segues totally. back into itself, very like snake eating its own tail thing. Totally. So basically you can make a circle on the whole record. Like if you stretch all the fucking things and make a circle. Uh-huh. You could, the way the song Life kind of fades out and the way that Darkness Feeling I Know fades in yes. or starts, it works. Okay. And it's like, and it's, and you know, the, 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 the record starts off with the word this life and it ends with the word life. Right. So, okay. So that it's that's kind of like how it, it happened. Um, now, it was kind of done on purpose and kind of not. At first, when we did the sequence, that song was actually going to be fourth on the record. Oh, wow. And then Mick kind of brought, Mick kind of brought that to my attention. He's like, "Listen, this song, the way it fades in out, 
kind of starts, it kind of makes like that circle approach. He's like, you just need to put that last. And I'm like, well, fuck, man, I just love that song. And I don't want people not to listen to it or be like exhausted by the time they listen to it because we have like the middle of the record is just like, a, that's where we put like some three like bangers in a row and stuff like that. But <laughs> I think that we did a good job sequencing and, and it's, um, I think that I just, yeah, I know I don't like records that have let up um, unless I'm listening to like a band like Opeth or something like that, where it's the ebbs and flows are kind of part of their vibe. And but I just think for us, we've just been like this wall of sound type of band. And that's the kind of like record you got. Yeah. No, I think uh, one of my favorites on this that we talk about the, the, I think out of the three bangers you're talking about, and I can totally see you being merch uh, is the, uh, the no one from nowhere. Oh yeah, just yeah. just the like way that, that starts. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is uh, this is probably gonna be a live staple when you guys start playing again. I could just feel it for sure. Um, for sure, it will be. Did this uh, did this album pass the workout test for you? Yeah, I've listened to it a few times. Um, it does. It gets you pretty pumped. <laughs> I just got a text message from Sean from Sharptone the other day. He's like, dude, I just had the best workout list in the record. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah, my job uh, doing at a screen printing place, We it's like hoodie season, so like we have just hundreds of hundreds of boxes of hoodies and t-shirts and shit, and cranking this, it's just like building up a sweat, and I'm like, you know, with this, I don't mind doing this job. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. So, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of, we've talked about the music industry, what have you noticed that has changed the most since you've kind of been out of it for a little bit? Fuck. <laughs> It's like, where do I even start? Like, this is like, it's changed so, I mean. I mean, because I don't think a lot of people would think that it's changed so much in four years, but I think, I think honestly, it probably oh my God. has just tremendously. It's changed, the, it's changed the most in four years. Like, nobody goes to shows anymore. That's just a, that's a conclusion that, like, if you expect to go out there and pull insane numbers, like, that just doesn't happen anymore. Like, I've seen some incredible bands that, you know, last time I saw him, it was that it's just that people aren't attending shows and, and really, uh, God, I, I fucking, I'm going to age myself right now. <laughs> as much as social media, as much as social media being at our fingertips is a blessing because we get to connect with so many people around the world that makes people, makes the world smaller. It also has created the most oversaturation ever. And it's basically oversaturating everything. And eventually everything's going to be gone because no one is going to have the mind capacity to keep up with the amount of bullshit that is being shoved in our face by the minute every day. And that's, we're losing human connection. Like, that's why, that's why I like doing these interviews. I like talking to people. Right. Like I had requests for like email interviews. I'm like, dude, just fucking call me, man. Like, <laughs> like let's talk, you know? Because I can come across them in, in an interview on a fucking in, on through email, where I come across like a complete fucking prick. But live, you know, talking to you, like actually, it came across different because of mannerisms and the way you fluctuate your voice and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? You could catch the sarcasm. Right. I just think with I think with this industry, it's uh, that's great. What else do you got? That's great. What else do you got? What yeah. more can you consent? What What more can you? how much more can you sell yourself to somebody else when that person is being sold to by a thousand other people? Right. And it's driving people to make questionable like life decisions. Like I just feel like, 
like it kind of circles back around to what we were talking about back in the day. Like we had to create our own identity. Now it's a team of people trying to create an identity for bands. And if it doesn't work, they try to create another identity and put it up on social media as being that identity. And it's like this like try, fail, try type deal. And I think that's the biggest thing is bands aren't sticking to their sound and their look. And it's like a fucking, everybody's like a poser now. Like everyone's just kind of posing to like, as somebody else or whatever else is cool and jumping on a trend to try to, I guess, get sales, but you don't really get sales anymore. So is it just for like, what matters more like sales or like followers on Instagram? You know what I mean? Like what, what is the true, what's the true depiction of success for music now? Right. Like I, I don't even, I don't even know what it is well, because in a couple, in a couple of years, you're not going to buy, be able to buy records on iTunes anymore. It's all going to be streaming. Right. So then where's that going to, where's that going to leave record labels? How are that record labels? Because it's not like the cost of studio stuff is going to go down. The cost is always going to be there, but what are record labels going to do to make their investments back? Good you know, and touring. it's, it's exactly. And then, and then what's the motivation to tour, especially when the numbers going to shows aren't there. So it's like what I really see foresee happening in the next 10 to 15 years is that nobody tours anymore. And everything you do is sort of like a pay to watch us perform type deal and buy our shit online and go into private like chats with members of the band so you could have that interaction with a member of a band like you would after a show if you wanted to wait for them to meet them. Everything is going to be virtual. And it's like, it's really depressing, man. Like Terminator 2 is like going to happen. <laughs> Like, I mean, I'm kind of taking it into another whole psyche, but no, not at all. And I mean, like, I see, I see another side of it from the music industry or from the fitness industry, how people would rather starve to death to fucking get likes on a fucking post than actually work and work on their like normal life to help their normal life progress. And that's like super depressing, super depressing. Yeah. When I had uh, Doc Coyle on a little while ago, we were got in this weird tangent kind of about this same thing about social media. And, you know, I was like, you know, my wife and I were talking about what are going to be the effects of society, societally, of social media. Like, because, you know, you're already seeing people who you can tailor make your little online world exactly how you want. And if there's anything that goes against what you think or believe, then you can augment it to be what you want it to be. So how is that going to affect our actual in per like in real life reality? in the next 10, 15, 20 years when, you know, the people who grew up without internet, like myself and my wife and yourself and so forth, you know, we're kind of the last people that remember what it was like to like go hang out with our friends and not be staring at a fucking tiny screen. And I feel like that's just got to affect us on a cultural level at some point to where it'll be like, and it's, and it's like, if people are naive to thinking that, that it's not going to, um, they're in for a rude awakening, man. Like it's, it's going to get to that point. Like I saw a commercial for homeschool yesterday. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, how are you trying to glorify homeschooling? Like, so now you don't even want kids to go to fucking school anymore. Yeah. Like it's, it's the human interaction with our youth is fucked, man. Like I coach high school football and work with high school athletes and they don't even fucking talk to each other anymore. It's insane, dude. 
Like I remember just being in high school and lifting weights with my, with my team and being like, all we did was shoot the shit. Now it's like you lift, you go on your phone and you fucking check Instagram. You lift, you check Instagram. You're like, this is fucked up. Yeah. This is fucked up. So there's my old tangent right there. No, it's it's fine. I, I very much have been in the same place. Like I, I know you're not one for drinking, but there's a bar here in Grand Rapids uh, that's a, basically a black hole for reception. And I always go like, I suggest going there, and people are always like, eh, I don't really like going there. And I was like, because you can't be on your phone because it's a dead zone. Like that's why I like going here. Yeah. Like the whole point of us going somewhere is to hang out, not to be on our phones and whatever. Like I could sit at home and text you. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's kind of what drove like... me to do this. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. Um, but. so you know, June eighth, you guys got your your first show back uh, at the Observatory yes. with uh, Winds of Plague and Lionheart, and uh, what can we expect from the the set list? I mean, you're 15 years into a career. Uh, yeah, what can tough. we expect? <laughs> well, we're gonna have a rehearsal tonight uh, for the first time in a long time, and. Uh, we'll, we'll see like what we can fucking play. <laughs> no, we'll be able to play everything, but, uh, you know, I think the majority of the show is not the majority. I'd say we probably play probably about six songs on the record, the new record and sprinkle in old songs with it. It's tough because we have so many songs now. So it's like picking a 15 to 16 song set list is really tough, but We'll put the ones in there that people want to hear, and we'll just do our best. We're, we might do like a some medley. Like yeah, no, uh, we might do like a <laughs> thing on on Instagram where we tell people to kind of vote for certain songs off certain records, and kind of go with that, and have like them kind of choose what songs they want us to play. Awesome. And what does the future of the band touring look like? Are you going to be like a lot of the bands? You know, like we've mentioned the you know, the walls of Jericho and so forth, where it's kind of select dates here and there, or is it going to be kind of a kickback into touring full time? Uh, no, it's going to be very weekend warrior ish. Um, I mean, really, cause just where we're at, like as individuals, I mean, I have my gym, which is like a, it's a 14 to 15 hour a day job with, and, and all the other companies that I kind of run with it. And so, I mean, my business is just going all, all the time and I'm like the busiest person you'll fucking ever talk to. But, um, you know, for me, I could I can get away being my own boss. I can get away for a couple weeks at a time, and maybe a couple other people can. But I want to try to uh, kind of get away from having fill-ins a lot, and I just want people to like, you know, see the members. And, um, and the only way to really avoid that is just we're just gonna have to get really tactical with our scheduling, and we're gonna try to play as much as we possibly can in as many places as we can all over the world again, but it's not going to be to like a point where we're like doing like a full month of touring. Fair enough. Well, that was kind of all the questions I had for you. Um, I always like to end these episodes with a song. So what would you like me to play this episode out to? Fuck. I mean, a bleeding through song. It could be anything (laughs) you want. Uh, I mean, I'll have a bleeding through song. Let's do uh, no friends. All right. And uh, I gotta say, I love the uh, the kind of the old school hardcore feel to that song. Like when it came on, it's like oh, I could just picture like two step, two people two stepping all over the place. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I love that song so much. All right, well, thank you again for your time, and uh, hopefully, we'll see cool. you on the road here in the Midwest at least uh, soon in some time. We need to get up there soon, man. So we'll, you'll be seeing us. Thank right. you so much, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. Take care.
So that was my chat with Brandon from Bleeding Through. want to say thanks again to Fist over at MetalNexus.net for helping me uh, get this uh, conversation all set up to talk all things Bleeding Through current and talk about the music scene as it used to be and as it uh, kind of is now. Uh, it, was re- it was really cool uh, actually talking with Brandon. Uh, it's a long-standing theory I've kind of had about how a lot of the bands from the early 2000s that I got into uh, have come back to basically kind of for lack of a better word, save the heavy scene. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, Walls of Jericho, Atreyu has come back, 18 Visions have come back. A lot of these bands are kind of coming back and just putting out records that are disgustingly heavy and reminding fans that maybe thought that these bands had nothing really new to offer and just kind of showing everybody, like, yeah, we were a big deal for a fucking reason. And uh, like I said, I can honestly say this new record is probably bleeding through his best record. Um, It is right up there with uh, This Is Love, This Is Murderous, and The Truth, for me. Um, as I had said in the interview, uh, some of the last handful of records just kind of weren't really there for me as far as production, and I'm kind of big on production. So um, it was it was a really fun chat. It was kind of nerve-wracking to talk to Brandon because uh, he's kind of really an intense dude, so I, I wasn't really sure uh, what kind of interview this is going to be, but he couldn't have been nicer, as you heard. So big thanks to uh, Brandon for taking the time again. Uh, Fist over at MetalNexus.net for uh, helping me get this set up. And uh, yeah, I'm going to, like I have been doing, I'm going to keep these uh, intros and outros pretty short. So I'm going to go get into all the plugs and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, The new record by Bleeding Through, Love Will Kill All, is coming out May 25th via Sharp Tone Records. Uh, They have a show June 8th at the Observatory with Winds of Plague and Lionheart. Get your tickets, hopefully, before it sells out. Uh, socials, if you would like to follow Bleeding Through, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, simply enough, at Bleeding Through. If you would like to follow Brandon on Instagram, it's Brandon Chapetti. Uh, basically just his name. Find that, and there he is. Uh, Rise Above Fitness, that's uh, his gym as well. You can find him on Twitter at capital B, capital S, C-H-I-E-P-P-A-T-I, basically his name. Uh, you can also find Moshpit Nation, our sponsor, on moshpitnation.com. On Facebook at MoshBitNation West MI. Twitter and Instagram are simple enough at MoshBitNation. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod and email me at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. Going to end this episode as we always do with a song. And unfortunately, I can't get no friends uh, since the album is not out and the powers that be uh, won't let me have the song, uh, obviously, <laughs> before the record comes out. Um, so I'm going to put in Fade Into Ash. Uh, it is a newer song. It's the song they just released. They put out a new music video for it. Uh, to me, it really kind of sets the tone for the new Bleeding Through record, although Set Me Free does as well. Uh, basically, this album just fucking rips from start to finish, and I definitely think uh, a lot of people are going to have this in their top metal albums or top albums of the year. So without further ado, this is Fade Into Ash off of Bleeding Through's newest record, Love Will Kill All, out May 25th via Sharp Tone Records. Talk to you next week.